Welcome to the Wags of SCI podcast, where we discuss life, love, and caregiving after spinal cord injury. Hosted by Elena Pauly and Brooke Paget. Both of our partners are quadriplegics. And after connecting online in 2017, we began the advocacy and support group WAGS of SCI, which is an acronym for Wives and Girlfriends with Spinal Cord Injury. We know firsthand the challenges that come with living this lifestyle. And our mission is to spread education, awareness, and positivity from our unique perspectives. Us each week as we tackle deep discussions around balancing life as a caregiver and a lover to someone with a spinal cord injury. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Wags of SCI podcast. Here we go. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Wags of SCI podcast with your hosts, Elena Polly and Brooke Paget. This week, we are discussing Caregiver Awareness Month. Actually, for the next four episodes, we'll be discussing Caregiver Awareness Month with different episodes touching base on various forms of self-care. And before we do that, I'm going to hand it over to Brooke. So stay tuned. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. We're really excited that it is Caregivers Awareness Month 2023. And this is a really cool month. Uh, November is a really great month because it's not quite the Christmas season. And it gives us a lot of time to focus on caregivers around the world and each other and learn more about what, you know, the stories of what other caregivers are going through in the SCI community. So it's amazing. Um, Before we begin today's episode... We are really excited to share with you this episode's sponsor. Her name is Robin Wishart of Wishart Brain and Spine Law. Robin is the official legal advocate of the Wags of SCI community, has been working with us for over four years now behind the scenes, making sure that all of our followers' questions are answered. She and her team have done such amazing work, including POAs for people who need them, um, writing letters of legal recommendation, connecting people with resources in their own communities, like doctors and physiatrists, and even legal help in their own communities. And she understands the caregiver's life. She has supported us since the very, very beginning. And so we're very grateful to her and her team. So if you want more information of how Robin can assist you with some legal questions or some legal help, please visit wagsofsci.com and click on the legal resources tab. And you can also visit Robin's direct website at brainandspinelaw.com. Today's episode is going to be about mental and emotional health and self-care. So this is the kind of the first week of our analysis and discussion on caregiver issues. And this one I think is definitely one of the most important, but we also wanted to do this episode in a shorter format. We're going to do a quick discussion based on our insights as leaders in this community, but also our own personal stories um, and insights on mental and emotional health and what has helped us as real life caregivers to quadriplegics. Yeah, you bet. And also we want to quickly just say thank you for everybody who's been sending in their Caregiver Awareness Month stories. It's really cool because you can see across the board um, different different women's perspectives on what it means to be a caregiver and the effects that that has had on their mental, spiritual, physical health um, all combined together depending on the amount of resources that are provided to each community member. 
So why don't we jump in with what is mental and emotional self-care, Brooke? What is that to you and why is it important? I think that mental and emotional health is the most important thing that you can focus on as a caregiver. And it's one of the ones that gets highlighted the most in our community. Um, and also, I think it's it's interesting because while I definitely think it's the most important aspect to look after, especially when you're in stages of caregiving where you're experiencing burnout or anything that you feel like you're being strayed and pulled away from your, who you truly are focusing on mental and emotional health is everything. And it's really ignored in most, um, Western medicine cultures and, and lots of doctors don't place much importance on it because it's not something that you can give a pill to solve, right? It's something that is very personal and something that is unique to every single person based on their experiences and what they're dealing with. And so I think it's great that we're starting off our, our Caregivers Awareness Month uh, podcast series with this because I think mental and emotional health is foundational, right? I think when you're on a journey of trying to get yourself back to balance, especially after a traumatic injury or you're, you know, you're with your partner during his injury or maybe your partner's experienced some you know, issues lately with his health, or maybe you're just, you know, working a job as well as taking your, taking care of your partner full time. These things get so overwhelming that you kind of have to turn inward. And that's where the real work starts with your mental and emotional well-being. So I think to me, mental and emotional health is the foundation of balance. Um, And I know that's not a (laughs) definition that you would find on Wikipedia, but I definitely think that that mental and emotional well-being is the source of balance and the beginning of balance. And you can't find balance physically unless you've addressed your emotional and mental um, well-being first. What 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 is it to you? Like, what do you think? What would you define it as? Uh, mental health, not losing your shit and being reactive <laughs> to every stressful <laughs> situation. True. It's funny because Brooke and I were talking about this earlier. We just got back from our trip from the ACRM from Atlanta. And I guess the bit of chaos that you step back into, into your home and the different, um, the different, the different conversations and different scenarios that you are interacting again, um, in when you're right now, I'm a little bit sick when you're a little bit sick, when you're exhausted and just being able to take that like radical responsibility for your reaction to things and how very I'm starting. I feel like once we started doing the work, like consciously doing the work of like our own responsibility to our own reactions, it's always very interesting being the viewer and seeing other people's reactions to different situations or to you um, and, and how crazy that looks, right. It, it's like, you see things from a different perspective where <laughs> when somebody responds in a different way without, without really taking responsibility, you kind of see them as like a toddler throwing a tantrum. And I've seen that, I mean, across the board, it, it, it's, I feel like it's gotten a little bit worse to be honest after maybe pandemic, not sure, but people in general, their reactivity to each other, whether it's at the grocery store, whether it's somebody you're interacting with in your workplace, in your family, but something's going on. And I think this episode was fantastic to begin uh, self-care with because once you begin, you know, once you combine all areas of self-care, whether it's emotional, spiritual, 
physical self-care for your environment, self-care for your home. And once those things are in balance, they really pull on the other areas to keep you in a good place. But once you neglect one of those areas, pardon me, it becomes extremely um, noticeable. And once you, once, once you kind of get off, off the balance in one area, you can become more reactive. You're not yourself. You're not thinking clearly. You're not taking the time to, you know, take a breather for yourself. And this is an area we mentioned last time that we, we spoke to a pain doctor at the ACRM around, and he was asking, what is self-care? Well, self-care the mental self-care is taking that breather. It's also knowing when to walk away from a situation where you need to take a breather so you don't react, so you don't get out of balance. And I mean, I hate to say it, you guys hear this all the time, but yeah, meditation, the breathing practices, if anybody needs help with connecting your brain back to your body, there's a lot of great stuff online. Um, the Wim Hof method is a great method for breathing to getting yourself back into like homeostasis where you're able to properly function from a body that is solid when you're able to ground yourself back in your body. And for me, that's literally where it all began through the pandemic. I took that radical responsibility to say, listen, this is not anybody else's fault. This is completely up to me. And I think that we would really love to challenge all of you to do the same. Instead of being the victim, get out of the victim mentality and say, this is completely up to me. I am in the driver's seat of my own brain, of my own mental health, and see how that shows up in different aspects of your life and how that completely transforms you and the way you respond to stress to other people. And let's let's talk about victim mode for a bit, because I think there's a lot of um, misconception about what that means. Um, a lot of people will look at themselves and say, I'm not a victim. I, you know, I know who I am and this and that, but I think there's a lot of negative connotations that circle what that is. Um, and to me, like, you know, when you speak about definitions of mental and emotional health, I don't think that you can actually work on your mental and emotional health until you get out of victim mode. Right. And so mm-hmm. what is victim yeah. mode? Victim mode is, well, to me, victim mode is when you, well, no, not just to me, this, I think this is what it is and and correct me if I'm wrong, but It's when you think that your state of being is dictated by things that are happening to you or or people or places or things in your life, everything outside of you. And to me, I would take it it one step further um, from a little bit more of a spiritual lens. And I would say that um, that includes also what's happening in your body. Um, When you blame your state of being on what's happening in your body, you're associating who you really are with your body. Um, and that to me is a form of victimization because you're saying, I'm a victim of this. I am a victim of to this, everything that is happening outside of my sense of self, my soul, whatever you want to call it, the being in there that is witnessing what's happening. Um, when you blame everything on that, when you blame everything that's happening to you on a circumstance, that is victim mode. And I really think that people have a lot of trouble getting out of that because when you take that away, there's nothing left to stand on, right? For a lot of people. And that that can push people into a lot of hopelessness, a lot of despair. But I would say that those stages of healing are what is absolutely necessary in order to get to a place where you can even work on your own mental and emotional health, right? I don't know. Would you agree with that? Yeah, absolutely. Again, it's, it's being, you know, I, being somebody who quote unquote has had mental health, um, 
I don't want to say issues, but being somebody who has, who has had various mental health ups and downs and all arounds and being medicated on SSRIs, I think that it's extremely difficult when you are in survival to get yourself into a position to see things from a different lens in general, where you don't understand, you think I'm not being a victim. What is a victim? How dare they say that? Um, but it's, it's hard to see it when you're in, um, I guess when you're in a very depressed, really low state, but you have to be able to have the drive to say, this is really, truly the scariest thing. And this is really, truly what I do not want. And there has to be something else outside of that. Right. And that's where it begins. That really is, you have to have that choice and that decision for yourself. Um, before you can really do any work at all. So being able to, to say the words, like acknowledge it, this is not, this is not who I am. This is not what I want. And also not taking that on as your identity, that it's not your identity. And we've heard the quote so many times, it's just a bad day. It's not a bad life. And I think that works really well in this situation, explaining this where being able to not sink deeper and deeper into a scenario for the time being and being able to say, this is, this is okay. Giving yourself permission to feel sad or anxious or angry or frustrated or whatever it is. That is, that is the human experience, having all the feelings, not just the happy stuff, because we've been really very decently programmed by our society that if you feel anything other than pleasure, happiness, bliss, excitement, then you should take a medication for it because that's not okay. Whereas quite the opposite, you should feel all of the feelings across the board. You should have the experience of, of feeling the human experience of feeling alive across the board because these are signals and without the darkness, you cannot have the light. So you can't have the happiness, those really extraordinary feelings, those explosive feelings of joy, if you have never felt the really lows of grief. For sure. That's really super powerful. And I think that, um, you know, you'd mentioned survival mode and survival emotions. And I honestly would, from my position as like, you know, a co-founder of WAGS and, you know, being on the discussion groups and engaging with so many different women and so many different caregivers from all walks of life. I would say the majority of these women are going through survival emotions and survival mode off and on throughout the majority of their experience. And what what I mean by that is where your heart is heart rate is elevated, your stress hormones are super high. Your cortisol is extremely high. You know, you wake up with a high heart rate. You have some health issues that are stemming from stress. Um, you have problems breathing fully. You are, you can't sleep. You're having issues with sleep. Um, you're having issues with blood sugar. All of these things are physiological responses to stress that I think a lot of people don't necessarily understand. And you know, I think it's one of the biggest issues in our community where you don't understand that these signs and symptoms are your body telling you that you're out of balance. And like you were saying before, like how when you're in survival, you can't see outside of it because you're in survival, right? What you literally are having a physiological process of fight or flight happening to you in your body where things seem out of reach. You seem very agitated. You don't feel like yourself. 
um, you're depressed, you're anxious, you have a fear of the unknown, you're fearful in general. All of these things are symptoms of fight or flight. And they're literally designed by your body in times of stress to help propel you forward. And when you're in long periods of fight or flight, it is really bad for you. And this is like not just holistic thinking. This has been well well documented in Western medicine. You know, there's a reason why they say 95% of all illnesses are caused by stress because it's true. When you're in fight or flight for so long that you don't even know up from down and you're so used to it, which I would argue is a huge problem in our society. Everyone is so used to being in fight or flight all the time that they don't think that there's anything wrong, which is very concerning. But in general, in our community where we're keeping this discussion, these women are, you know, we're waking up in the middle of the night, we're getting up early, we're doing the bell program, we're doing things that we not necessarily would like to do on a regular basis, but we have to do it at certain points. Um, and we're trying to figure out a way to balance our lives so that we can do these things without being even more stressed and, and having panic attacks and feeling horrible and having to deal with our partner's ailments and having to take them to the hospital. And all of these things are very stressful. There's no getting around that. So I think realizing that a lot of us are in fight or flight and using that as a jumping off point to saying like, okay, I might not necessarily know what is going on in reality because I'm so in fight or flight. I'm so stressed that I can't really tell that this isn't a situation I have to be stressed at. So I let's talk about like foundational principles. Like we've outlined kind of the issues that, and the roadblocks that make it kind of difficult for caregivers to get out of fight or flight and actually start to work on their mental and emotional well-being. Um, what would you say is like one of the most foundational principles for you as far as getting out of survival mode and actually being able to be proactive with your own life? You mentioned breathing. You mentioned Wim Hof. Um, what are what are some of the other things that, like the the tools that you use as a foundation before you even get to the self care practices? Um, again, I think that um, well, identifying first of all what the issue is, right? Being able to ground yourself and and realize what what the problem is. Um, I think some of the best tools are also. Like you said, you can't really do self-care when what you can't do self-care when you don't want to care about anything, <laughs> including yourself and you're in survival. So it's having that drive to get out of something, to do something better, to do something more for yourself. And I think recognizing that at the end of the day, nobody is coming to save you. And we say this all the time, right, Brooke? It's like, you have to be your own hero. Nobody's going to swoop down and magically tap you on the head with a wand to make you feel better. Mm-hmm. And having that moment, like I said earlier, where it's like, you're literally, you have nothing to stand on. No. Where you realize, where you realize that like, okay, it doesn't matter who I am, where I'm from, what my financial status is, who I have around me, how much help I have, what religion I am, you still are your own savior, right? Mm-hmm. And I think we can argue that um, in this community specifically, that is something that women in our, in our community have, have a heightened skill for because a lot of individuals here have been pushed into that 
that corner many times, right? You've been pushed into that corner by relieving the system, by being the only one around, by caring for your partner so much that you'll do anything for them, including doing improper transfers or you get hurt or whatever. So I I would argue that the women here know that the best, but I think it's having that drive and just really wanting to get out of that. Um, What would you say for yourself? What, What would that look like? Um, I, I would say like, you know, you mentioned that conversation we had with the doctor again, um, when we were at the ACRM where he was the pain doctor and he was asking for tips on self-care and, uh, you know, the advice that I gave to him is the same thing that worked for me is you have to, like you were saying, you have to have the drive to get yourself out of the situation and to follow the breadcrumbs, right? There's not a one size all, you know, solution to dealing with your own stress. Cause we all have different traumas. We all have different conditioning. We all have different, you know, ways we were raised and we have different, everyone's so different, right? Um, but I would say for me, a foundation of diet and supplementation is extremely important um, before you start working on your, I mean, at the same time as you work on your mental, emotional health, you have to have that baseline of health because nutrients affect the brain, nutrients affect the body. And, you know, there's tons of scientific studies out there about the role of nutrients and their effects on the brain and their effects on anxiety and stress. And a lot of the times, you know, actually, no, not a lot of times, all of the times that you're in stress and fight or flight, your body is draining your nutrients because it's using them, right? And so when you're in stress for a long period of time and you're not eating properly or you don't have time to cook proper meals or, you know, you don't have the money to avoid or or to, uh, to get the right supplements, or you don't even know where to start. Um, I would say for me, that is the most important thing because you see things differently when your body is struggling for nutrients. Um, You know, things like magnesium, essential fatty acids, um, those zinc, you know, these are, you know, you can do a lot of research online as to the main nutrients that are important for brain body balance and for relieving stress. And I know that magnesium especially drains at such a rapid rate when you're stressed that you almost have to have a supplementation routine of some form of magnesium when you're a caregiver. My, my, for those of you who know, who know, who don't know, my mom is a doctor of traditional Chinese medicine. She's also a herbologist and she knows a lot about how supplements interact with the body and she always jokes around about if we had unlimited income, we would come up with, she calls them the CGS, caregiver supplements or something like that. She had like an abbreviation for it. It was really funny where it's like a certain you know amount of relaxing herbs, but also supplements combined into one that get drained when you're under stress. And specifically um, when you're dealing with someone else. And when you're caregiving for somebody else, it's, it's, you know, different hormones get activated and, um, it's really important to supplement those things. So, you know, in short, I think writing down as your next step, if you're just on your journey, um, of dealing with your mental and emotional health and you want something to change, definitely look at your diet and your supplement routine and go online and search naturopathic doctors, and different diets that are available, whole food diets, you know, lots of essential fatty acids. Like, you know, I always say the Dr. Terry Wall diet is really amazing if you want to 
you know, reinvigorate your body from the ground up. And a lot of your thoughts and feelings will change just from that, you know? Um, so definitely that is like the number one foundational piece. Um, eat and supplement for your brain and for your body and for your stress response, Mm -hmm. um, because you've probably drained a lot of those nutrients. You know, I was kind of just looking over our list right now and I see proper sleep. And I would say that is my number one go-to is whether you're depressed or whether you're in survival mode or whether you're depleted or you're just feeling like absolute crap. That is always, always, always what my go-to is, is being able to hibernate, just crawl in the covers when you can, whether it's getting home from work, finishing your chores, putting duties on someone else or leaving them, that laundry will still be there tomorrow and get the proper sleep because there's nothing worse than feeling like an absolute zombie where you are reactive and you're so reactive that you don't even know what you're doing. You're just like on autopilot and things will start kind of going on top of each other and loading and loading and loading. And then you're like, you just you just crash, right? So proper sleep has always, always, always been my go-to get a proper sleep and being a caregiver specifically in our shoes, you don't ever get a proper sleep or you most likely won't because you're up during the night, turning your partner from pressure relief to limbs falling off the bed, to urinals falling on the ground, to maybe needing to assist with a catheter you know, in and out catheter or condom cath change or emptying a leg bag or you name it, right? Things happen that if you can do a little siesta during the day or when you get home from work, you just literally have a hot shower, hop into bed. You will feel like a completely different person. Um, if you're able to do that, I highly suggest getting at least, you know, just do whatever you can to get a good proper sleep. That may be getting a hotel room and just like really unplugging where you're not disturbed. And I know we talk about this all the time with Jamie Twain, one of our um, community members and longtime wag is she's like, that's my dream. Just I'm going to go get a hotel room for like two nights just so I can sleep. And you can be a better person overall for yourself, for your family, for everybody involved. Yeah. Um, and that's another, like, that's a really, really good foundational principle is sleep because we all know what it's like, um, with our partners when they don't get any sleep, the whole world like looks like a different place. Right. And it's the same for us. It reactivates the stress cycle when you don't have enough sleep. And so, um, you know, working to make sure that you can do that. Like, let's just say you don't have the ability to go to a hotel or you don't have care. Let's just say you're a primary caregiver and you don't have anyone else. Um, regardless, and this is like what that conversation I had with that pain doctor in Atlanta, where it's like, you know, it doesn't matter what level your partner is. There's always a chance if you prioritize it, that's the key thing here. If you prioritize it, if you get into the place where you're out of victim mode, you really want to change, you know, something is missing. You don't know what it is, but you need to go on that journey for yourself. You have to prioritize five to 10 minutes a day of where you can just get away with your headphones on and lay down in your bed and do some um, non-sleep deep rest or meditation or yoga nidra or anything that it involves relaxing the body and the brain for a short period of time. They have studies out now. I know it was on the Huberman lab, of, you know, many, many times about how important non-sleep deep rest is. They have a lot of scientific studies now that shows that it is just as good um, as getting 
a deep sleep when you are awake, but you are relaxed and you are consciously telling your body to relax in various ways. And there's a lot of, again, information on YouTube about that. You can search it. It's free where there's a lot of, you just type in non-sleep deep rest or yoga nidra meditation. And because there's a lot of us caregivers who really, really have trouble even falling asleep at night because their brain is just go, go, go. So this is one of the things that I myself have tried many times um, to help myself get to sleep. And it actually works really well because you're consciously training your brain and your body by going into sensations and releasing things um, on how to relax and how to actually get to sleep. So, you know, if you can't afford to go away or you can't make it happen, take five, 10 minutes. And then from that five, 10 minutes will turn into half an hour and then it'll turn into an hour. And it's all about getting rid of that idea that you shouldn't be focusing on yourself because you should, right? Like there's, it sounds so lame, but there's a reason why they say, put your oxygen mask on first in order to assist others, right? There's a reason. (laughs) So yeah, Mm -hmm. sleep is a great one. I really like that. Yeah. So, um, I, I see here, you know, workouts, how do you get yourself motivated to work out? If you can do that, go for a walk, um, get in the water. If you have the opportunity to get into a pool, into a sauna, whatever, get into a lake, into an ocean, just to change things up. I noticed that, especially during the pandemic, I went through a bit of this like self-isolation where I was in huge fear mode and I wasn't even going for walks. Cause I thought COVID was like airborne and I didn't want to go to the forest or in the ocean or anything. I was just scared. And I lost a lot of um, myself through that. And those are easy workouts, like gentle exercises of just being in nature, being able to breathe in the middle, middle of the forest where you're not surrounded by anything or anybody except for photosynthesis, the trees, nature. It's really, really good for you. So being able to take that time to reconnect is huge, right? Yeah, for sure. And if you are, you know, someone who doesn't have help and you can't get away, let's just say you're a primary caregiver again and you, you, you're you having trouble separating that, start by going on walks with your partner. Um, use each other as motivation because even though your partner is rolling um, or in his electric chair or he has an attachment, start by doing brisk walks like that because it's just as beneficial for them as it is for you getting outside, getting some light in your face, getting some vitamin D. And these things will actually really, really help with the stress as well. At the end of a brisk walk, you can always feel there's more oxygen in your lungs. You can always feel that your body feels better. There's a reason, right? It's resetting your system. It's, it's your parasympathetic nervous system kicking in. Um, so make sure, yeah, you make time for exercise. That's another foundational thing. And this is stuff that like, you know, people might eye roll when we say, you know, good diet, proper sleep, hydration and exercise, but it's not a joke. These are some things that get pushed to the side when you're a caregiver, right? These are some foundational things that are, you can't even work on your mental and emotional health before you do these things. And, um, they're pretty mainstream, but no, nobody does them, right? They just, they, they put themselves to the side. They don't have any time and they're not prioritizing their own needs until it's gets to the point when you're drowning and you're like, oh my God, I need to do something. So that's when, you know, it's going to be more challenging to get yourself out of a state of fight or flight, but you can do it if you just commit to yourself. Right. So Elena, what would you say after all of these, you know, after you get yourself, you've got the foundational principles in and you want to start working on actually creating and building the new you and working with your role as a caregiver and trying to get the most out of your life so that you can move forward. Um, 
what what would you say is the most important thing for starting that after you've kind of got the foundation? Well, and I think one of the last things actually to to mention about the foundation um, that we didn't actually touch on really quickly is just um, realizing that you are the company you keep, right? And a lot of the women in our community can say that at the beginning of their partner's injuries, um, the pushback from friends or family or whoever was extremely stressful. So again, it's those conversations, the energy that you share with different individuals in your life, you will notice that people gravitate towards you or completely get pushed out of your life. And that is huge. And don't resist it, allow it because that is actually for the betterment of you in the long run. And that is actually part of your self-care, being able to protect your energy. And so identifying your self-care goals, uh, I would say that one of the best ways is being able to say like, what else, what else, what is self-care? Um, you have to ask yourself some questions like, how do you, how do you begin self-care? What, what do you live for? What is your bliss? What makes you feel good? So being able to know, you can't know those things until you have your foundation of none of the chitter chatter from other people's opinions, other people's objectives, or not even, even stepping out of nur- having to take responsibility and nourishing other people's emotional state after your partner sustaining injury or all of that stuff, you got to get rid of that before you can figure out what is it that makes you feel good? What is it that you are excited about taking time for? Um, whether it's, you know, painting, drawing, reading, I don't know, maybe mixing cocktails. (laughs) That was a big joke at the beginning of our, of our partner's injuries, but whatever it is, you have to identify your needs first. And your needs are just as important as your partner's needs. Um, so finding, you know, you have to find those reasons for yourself. So you don't end up just like flailing around. You have to have a bit of a structure and, or else you'll just go around in circles, try to make yourself feel better in general, and you won't be addressing the sources of your imbalances. So identifying those and then realizing, checking out what is it that is your go-to? What is, what is it that makes you feel good? And you know, what's really interesting is your goals and what you kind of want and what you think you need will change, especially when you're getting out of being in such survival mode all the time. You know, the whole thing of like, oh, I just want 10 minutes to myself. That may be one of your goals to start, right? That may be one of your dreams. I don't know what I want to do with my life. I don't know what I need to make myself feel better. I just need to feel like I'm stopped. I I just need to not feel like I'm drowning all the time, right? That may be one of your first goals. But six months down the road, once you're starting to heal and your your nutrition is good, you're getting some five to 10 minutes of, you know, your alone time, you're going on walks, you're, you know, working out, you're doing all that stuff and you're starting to like just tune inwards, your goals are going to start being very different. And so I think it can be very overwhelming at the start of this process when you're starting to work through some of these heavy emotions. I think trying to figure out what your goals are then is not necessarily the best idea because they're going to be different, right? They're going to come to you when you're less stressed. You know, what you need as far as like being proactive is going to come to you after you're through the stressed out stage. I would say the best thing you can do is to really focus on putting one foot in front of the other and just doing little goals, right? Little mini goals, um, five minutes here, 10 minutes here. While my partner's at rehab, I'm going to take 10 minutes in the car to myself. I'm going to go drive here. I'm going to do very easy things that will help you to really 
get to the place where you can tune into what you truly need and desire in life, right? Um, But to be honest, from my perspective, getting to that place is very difficult as a WAG of SCI. So if you get to that place where you're like, okay, I'm ready to start, you know, journaling and writing down goals and figuring out like what I need, that's huge. Um, And that puts you above 95% of people in our situation, right? So it's, it's, it's a journey, right? It's not a destination. It's a journey and just getting back to like making yourself feel important because you are important. You are so important, even though the voices in your head will tell you you're not right. Mm -hmm. And I think I want to just quickly touch on to like, um, we talked a lot about drug and alcohol use during like the onset of like our partner's injuries, um, as self-care because what's happening is like your brain's trying to make sense of what's going on and it's trying to reach for something that it thinks is self-care to you. What is going to make you feel better? The one thing I want to mention about this is we've made so many memes. We've talked about it as jokes. We've actually talked about it in a very serious aspect um, on the private discussion group is that identifying that your body is just trying to reach for something that is going to regulate its nervous system. So once you're able to see that what you're reaching for in that state of stress thinking, Oh, I just need a happy hour. Oh, I just need this. Or I just need that. I just need a quick drink. I just need a glass of wine. Um, just realizing that it's not exactly what you actually really need. You think you need that because it's a quick fix, but your body is in a state of complete chaos. So we've talked about this so many times, self-care and having, you know, take having a glass of wine here and there. And then women later on in life, not in life, and even a year down the road are like, holy shit, like, why am I, why am I reaching for the bottle every time that I feel stressed? Um, as, especially as a caregiver where you feel like you're locked into place, but that is what's happening. It's not, it might work for you for the first, first, you know, one or two goes, but it's not long-term sustainable. And that is why it's because it's just try. you're just trying to regulate, trying to figure out a way to regulate yourself. Yeah. The body is designed to be in homeostasis and anything else, it'll inform you, right? It'll inform you that things are not right. Um, it just wants mm-hmm. to be balanced. Things ain't right. Things ain't right. <laughs> Which um, is great. I'm so glad that we have like, you know, we get frustrated with our bodies. We get frustrated with our minds and our mental state. But if you really understand that the cork is supposed to be floating and bobbing and floating and bobbing and not pulled under all the time or not exploding all the time, you know, that's that balance. And if you view things like that and the body's just trying to get back to balance, it's just trying to notify you. It's just trying to protect you. Um, you have a lot more compassion for your mental and emotional states, Right. Yeah, absolutely. So, okay. What do we have for a couple of tips or tricks for you guys that we've learned, um, to kind of wrap up this episode? What are some things that you can do for yourself that are really kind of fun, enjoyable, um, things that can get you in a place of mental, emotional self-care. So one of the first things that I did actually, when Dan was still in rehab was I created a picture collage of photos of him and I, 
in really happy, good memories. And all of them were actually of him sitting. It wasn't, there weren't any of him like kicking a ball or, or doing anything that showed the entirety of his body. And I felt like that was a really good way to reconnect, to also be able to say, everything's going to be okay. This is what your future can look like. You can still have those happy moments. You can still have those good moments. And the other tip here that I have connecting to that is, Can you envision yourself putting together a vision board? And what is a vision board? A vision board is exactly that. It's getting images, quotes, objects, little pieces of things that you find that make you feel good or some ideas you have or some really nice positive quotes and putting that together, the act of putting it together, connecting your brain to the activity, but also through that processing putting it in a place where you're able to walk past it quite frequently. And what happens at that point is that you end up seeing your little vision board and you, and when you pass it, you're actually doing a very short like visualization exercise where your brain is able to connect to what can be, what can be possible for you, especially when you're feeling kind of in a funk and you need that little bit of a pick-me-up to look at those things and remind yourself again, it's kind of like why we have social media, right? It's like your social diary of all the good times, but you can create this in a physical board through the physical touch and connection of your body to your brain while doing the activity, but then also as a reflection when you need that. That's really nice advice. It's really good. Um, yeah, that those are those are great pieces to add to the puzzle. And it's interesting because a lot of you listening out there will probably be like, well, this isn't at all what I expected from this episode. Um, <laughs> because, you know, normally uh, people would say, you know, go to a therapist, talk to your doctor. But that's not what we're doing here because we know a lot of you can't afford to go see a therapist. Um, I mean, if you can and you feel called to do that, to talk to somebody, definitely do that. Use that as a tool, right? It's a tool, right? It's a tool to help you. It's there, right? But, you know, at $150 an hour, a lot of people can't do that. So we're speaking from our experience as people who couldn't really do that. Um, And we're speaking from a place of like, what can you do with very little investment, right? Some of my pieces and tips is like, think about when you were a kid, that playfulness that you had, Um you know, if you had a playful childhood or if you enjoyed certain things in your childhood, I would start there. I would sit and meditate or think about what used to bring you a lot of joy when you were a kid. And I would start by kind of doing some of those things, maybe in an adult way. Um, You know, there's a lot of really cool things like coloring books for adults. Um, You know, Elena, you do pottery. Um, You know, when I was a kid, I really enjoyed art class. Um, so like doing a lot of, of those things, you may enjoy reading, right? You may have been a reader when you're younger and you may think you don't have time to do that now. Start thinking about what makes you feel playful, right? Because there's a lot of stuff that you don't even know or you're not in touch with anymore about yourself when you were younger that is a lot of who you are, right? It's things that make you happy. So think about those grade school days, the things that you really enjoyed, the things that took the pressure off, the things that, you know, maybe it's a sporting activity, like maybe you really enjoyed playing soccer. Um, There are certain things that you can do without doing that now. Like you can start jogging, you can start um, by, you know, going to the gym, doing things that are replicas of what made you feel good when you were a kid is always a really good place to start. Uh, Because when we were kids, we 
<laughs> had a lot of of freedom, right? We had a lot of different things that made us feel free. Even if you had traumatic childhoods, um, which a lot of us did, there were still things that you did that made you feel connected, that made you feel great, that made you feel like you're playing, that made you feel happy. So definitely start investing in time looking into that because that in itself will start to give you ideas as to what will make you feel more like you, right? And I know a lot of experts nowadays will say that. They'll say you need to be more playful. You need to do more things that involve play. Um, just doing it because it's fun. There's no other motive other than it just makes you happy, right? So um, I think just to finish this you know, short and concise episode, um, I think, you know, we've talked about the foundational principles. We've talked about how you have to get out of stress and survival and some tools and techniques to do that. I think there's a lot of resources that are available online through various sources. Um, you can email us as well anytime at wagsofsci@gmail.com if you'd like some directives as far as what has worked for us, different programs. Like we're not going to mention anything specific on this program because everyone is so different. But if you feel called by, you know, anything that we've been speaking of in this episode and you want to learn more about maybe nutrition or about emotions and processing, maybe, you know, you want some book recommendations on how to get you started. Um, please email us, reach out to us anytime. We are a collaborative community group and we place a lot of value on our interactions with the women in this group. Um, so make sure you utilize those resources. You can also join our self-care group on, in, our, on Facebook. It's available off our Facebook page. You can also find it on our website, wagsofsci.com. And you can get a lot of resources that way. And you can ask a lot of questions from women who are with men who have spinal cord injuries or who have partners with spinal cord injuries. It's very, very, <laughs> it's a very niche community, but it's also very important because nobody else deals with our set of circumstances. So if you are not a member, make sure you join. Um, and, you know, next week we're going to be digging into another topic on self-care going to be a great week or sorry great month of caregiver awareness month and we want to say to anybody who would like to submit their stories for caregiver awareness month please do so through our email wags of sci at gmail.com or dm us and we will connect you as well as don't forget we have our new swag out for the sleigh ride lap ride the new sweater is out it has been featured now we've We've exposed the fact that it has made a comeback by popular demands at every single Christmas party. Um, so we've got that um, up on our Instagram page. You can have a chance to win one of yours by submitting your Caregiver Awareness Month story. So please do so. Looking forward to the rest of the month. And we hope that everybody stays stay safe, stay stay healthy and take care of yourselves and love one another cheers